0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Debrief. This week, Bishop Strickland on Veritatis Splendor and Amoris Laetitia, the persecution of Catholics in Nicaragua. We'll talk about an Alabama priest abandoning his post, and then the latest and greatest at where Peter is, because it's been a busy couple of weeks. Hey, Mike, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. How have you been? Long time
1: no see. Well, you know, I uh, sorry about the last couple of weeks. It's funny because last week on Monday and um, it was an hour difference. And I had meant to to reach out to you to tell you uh, that my family was in St. Louis. Uh, we were actually in line to get on the arch in uh,
0: oh, <laughs> in yeah, St. You see Louis. A photo of the arch. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so we um, basically uh, my family It had been a long time. We have a lot of friends out in Missouri. And so we drove across the country and uh, went and visited my um, my older daughter's godfather, who's a priest in the Diocese of Jefferson City, Father Dan Merz, who used to work for the USCCB. And one of the days we went out to Jefferson City and uh, saw the cathedral, saw their new Catholic charities met with bishop sean mcknight who also when he was a priest used to work at the usccb and then on the uh the the final leg we uh drove to the st louis area we got to meet uh dan and rachel amiri and their three children in in person for the very first time um and we so we did we had dinner at their house sunday night and then on monday we went to the zoo and uh had dinner with with them and uh and yeah and then we drove Thirteen hours across back to Maryland. Yep. So, so. It, meanwhile, it was the a...
0: news and the world just marches on, and World Youth Day is happening. And all right, so let's get into all of the all of the headlines we're going to cover today. So, our first story takes us to Tyler, Texas. Uh, Bishop Joseph Strickland is once again stoking controversy. On social media, and about a week ago, you wrote an article entitled, Is Strickland Slouching Towards Schism? And you cited a tweet in which he shared an article from Crisis Magazine charging that John Paul II's encyclical, Veritatis Splendor, and then Pope Francis' exhortation, Amoris Laetitia, cannot be reconciled, and Catholics must choose between the two. Uh, In his tweet, he wrote, Choose wisely, I choose Veritatis Splendor. Mike, why are you concerned about this tweet? Well, first of all, you
1: know the error that he makes here is the foundational, probably the foundational error uh, upon which the site where Peter is is founded, which is the issue of whether or not Amoris Laetitia is orthodox and whether or not Catholics are bound to to uh, grant their assent to this teaching. Um, Amoris Laetitia obviously is uh, Pope Francis's teaching about marriage in the family. Um, it, in its controversial eighth chapter, it uh, provides a vision of accompaniment: how a pastor might accompany a Catholic or a couple who are in, a, in an irregular situation, um, which could mean that they're cohabitating, which could mean that they, you know, one is divorced and they got civilly remarried. Maybe they got married outside the church. And it provides a pastoral path of accompaniment back to realizing the fullness of the church's teaching. And within those provisions, uh, Pope Francis teaches that there is a possibility of giving the sacraments of reconciliation and the Eucharist in individual cases Mm -hmm. when the person is not fully culpable of uh, of this the act of adultery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so basically it's one of those things where the Catholic church teaches that when you are in a state of mortal sin, you should not present yourself for communion. Mm-hmm. Um, mortal sin requires full consent of the will. It requires knowledge that it is a mortal sin and it requires the act to be grave. Now there's no question that the act is grave because you are engaging in marital activity with someone that's not your spouse. And in terms of knowledge, we shouldn't withhold knowledge from people. But there's that question of the will, mm-hmm. whether someone's in a situation, let's say they've been in this married relationship for 20 years and they've mm-hmm. decided to return to the church. And there's a situation where their spouse has an earlier marriage and you know doesn't wanna go through the annulment process. There's some very difficult situations where the person is not entirely culpable their own will isn't entirely involved. And so this is um, so this is a pastoral accommodation, which is a new development, um, and it does change the discipline that was laid out in uh, John Paul II's document. But Francis's critics have accused him of heresy. They've accused him of moral relativism or situation ethics. They've mm-hmm. accused him of saying that Grave sin can sometimes become good. Um, the irony here is that um, in 2016, when the encyclical came, or when the exhortation came out, Bishop Strickland wrote a very highly uh, supportive letter on his blog. Oh. Now that's been removed from his blog. It gives you an error for oh, really. Or, and um and now he ha- he's he gone on the record about a more- being against Amoris Letizia. And he's also, uh, he doubled down on his radio show. Um, mm-hmm. And this just strikes me as, uh, who is he listening to? Who is he speaking to? Well, obviously, he's sharing an article from Crisis Magazine. Um, but it's, it's discouraging to see this backslide or this slouching mm-hmm. um, in his role as a bishop. Yeah.
0: And so I think he's you've got it here he's described it as separation from the deposit of faith and he's, Well here's he's,
1: the question so we talked yeah. about uh, schism. Yeah. Um and he, the reason why I use the word schism is very deliberate. Um prior to this tweet on his radio show he said I've been accused mm-hmm. of schism. Let me tell you what schism is. Schism is separation from the deposit of faith and from the ancient magisterium of the church and Uh, something like that, but Bishop Strickland is a canon lawyer, Mm -hmm. and canon law is very clear on the definition of schism. Mm -hmm. Canon 751 says, schism is the refusal of submission to the Roman pontiff or of communion with the members of the church subject to him. I don't know why he didn't mention the Pope at all. He's Mm -hmm. basically saying that the Pope is going into schism, now, another thing that he regularly tweets is he will identify a priest or a bishop and will say, this person has left the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. He said this about cardinals. He said this about archbishops. Um, he even insinuated it uh, regarding the new CDF prefect, uh, Archbishop Fernandez, soon to be Cardinal okay. Fernandez. Um, this is a way of separating himself with you know, Catholics who are subject to the Pope and he should know that the way that Catholics look at unity, we call the Pope the guarantor and principle of Church unity. He is the visible source of unity in the Church, and he is bought into a narrative that does not that does not uh, appreciate the living Magisterium and the the successor of Peter, who is who we unify around as Catholics. So I, I wrote an article. I shared some. Um, updates, or I I shared some resources where we've specifically addressed Amoris Laetitia and why it is essentially in continuity with Veritatis Splendor, and so if you look at the show notes, the links will be within that article uh, that we share, and if you have any questions about it, we've covered it.
0: And then there was an apostolic visitation um, back in June. Do you have any update on that? So...
1: All of it happens under um, pontifical secrecy. Uh, it, it's a secret process. Uh, if there's a if there is a result to the visitation, there will be an announcement in uh, the Vatican press office updates where they talk about resignations and appointments and uh, and retirements. Um, and so we'll just have to wait for that that process to play out. But based on his behavior on social media and on um, his radio show, Mm -hmm. he doesn't strike me as someone who's very confident that he's going to remain in office. That's just a sense I get. I don't know. Uh, I don't have any inside knowledge other than the way these things tend to go. That's what it looks like to me.
0: All righty. Let's move on to persecution in Nicaragua. In the last episode of the debrief, we spoke about how the Nicaraguan government released Bishop Rolando Alvarez, but then rearrested him and returned him to prison the next day. And the latest update uh, on the situation between the Catholic Church and the regime of President Daniel Ortega occurred yesterday when Nicaraguan's government confiscated the University of Central America, which is run by Jesuits. According to the university officials, the government alleged the university was a center for terrorism. Can you give us any more insight into this?
1: Yes, uh, this is obviously just the next stage in the pressure and the antipathy of the Ortega regime towards the church. Um, they've seized a university. They've arrested bishops. They've arrested priests. Um In terms of active persecution, it looks like they're stepping up their game and they're not stepping down. Um, Obviously, this is becoming an international situation of freedom of religion. They're alleging it's a center of terrorism because uh, protests against the government five or six years ago originated from from this university. Um, But other than that, there's obviously there's no violence sponsored by the university or anything like that, and so people are are becoming very distressed about this issue. And this is a topic that um, I, I think it, we've definitely reached the point where Catholics really need to pay attention to this. Um, wow. I have a an article uh, that we are publishing today. Hopefully it should be up by the time this episode is up. It's one of the rare anonymous articles that we have ever posted on where Peter is. And this is because um, the author has faced some death threats in the past based on involvement in Latin America so um and we will provide in addition plenty of links to update you on this situation because I it is scary especially in you know on this continent to see active persecution of the Catholic Church churches shutting down universities being closed I, I mean I don't think we've seen anything like this in in decades. Um, mm-hmm. You know, hopefully it's not as bad as, as Mexico in, in the 1920s, but there's always the potential that, that this situation could get dramatically worse and, and hopefully uh, there's something, hopefully something can be done about this. But yeah. right now we should remain informed of these issues.
0: So let's pray for the people of Nicaragua. Our next topic here, we've got a 30-year-old priest, Father Alexander Crow, from Mobile. Is it Mobile or Mobile? I'm Pardon me, I don't know. Mobile
1: is okay, apparently so. the, 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 the southern accent, so it's Mobile. All
0: right, so. Alabama. He was ordained in 2021, and then he left his parish unannounced on July 24, 2023, with an 18-year-old woman who had graduated from a Catholic high school in Mobile. They were discovered by an uncle of the young woman, at an Airbnb in Italy what's the situation now
1: yeah so um this priest uh, father Alexander Crow he's been reported to be in Italy um, with this young woman who she's 18 years old now but she was 17 you know she gra- she just graduated from high school in May or June um, and he had done some chaplain work um basically they've he's not responded to any interview requests. Um, after she was discovered by family members, her family apparently flew out there, tried to convince her to come home. Um, she would never uh, speak to them without him being present. She insists that this is God's will, this is what she wants to do. This is kind of a. It, the parents of the woman are very concerned about the situation, and they allege that Father Crow has groomed multiple young girls in addition to this young woman. Wow.
0: And then apparently some letters written by Father Crow were released by the press.
1: Yes, so apparently he wrote a letter to the archdiocese, uh, claiming that he was still a priest and that he was following Jesus's will, and that you know this is what what he needed to do. He's he claims he's not leaving the priesthood. Um, he also uh, wrote a letter to um, his. Uh, they say it was his brother. Uh, in some articles saying that Mary has told him to do this. And, you know, he knows that he's going to lose his position. Um, He wrote a letter to the woman on Valentine's Day when she was still 17 years old, I believe. And in this letter, he actually he called her his wife. Now, there's no record that there was any kind of legal marriage that was going on. And she was below the age of legal marriage for Alabama. So I don't think that that Um, has happened, but because he seems to be having um, these spiritual insights, um, he believes it in a spiritual way. But yeah, he expresses his love for her. He tells her how pretty she is. um, And apparently they've been cooking up this plan for a while and made it happen when she was 18.
0: So what do we know about his background?
1: Well, so he's a young priest. He was only ordained for, uh, you know, since twenty. 21, I believe, so two or three years, um, and from the very beginning, uh, he expressed a very strong interest in exorcism and spiritual warfare. Um, supposedly, in seminary, he ran his own deliverance ministry. Uh, there are he appeared on Tim Gordon's podcast several times, saying that he had done exorcisms, and he's never and. According to the archdiocese or sources within the archdiocese um, of Mobile, he's never been um, the official, official, yeah, you know, exorcist for the for the diocese. And this is actually when I was working at the USCCB, another priest talked about how there was an exorcism conference going on at some event he was at, I think in in Rome or somewhere, and he was noting that a lot of the priests there uh, that were attending this other conference which is different than what it's been in the past. There were these young gung-ho priests who want to fight the devil. And he said that that struck him as very unwise because what you want is a priest who's been a pastor for a long time, who has proven themselves to be balanced, to be discerning, um, mature. Um, And this is one of the things that, that, will tend to notice is that this obsession with the demonic, this obsession with uh spiritual warfare takes on a, a yeah. sensational angle. And mm-hmm. I mean, we noticed this with uh Father Utenauer, who was uh the head of um uh I think Human, Human Life, Life International. Inter- International. And yeah. you know, he apparently was grooming and abusing women during exorcisms. Father Jeremy Leatherby out in Sacramento who's since been excommunicated and laicized is the same you know he he had uh are reports that he may have been the exorcist but he also had these one-on-one individual deliverance things with women um, in his parish or in his ministry um it seems that if you're not spiritually ready for this it, it you know to handle such a ministry and he's tackling it without the permission of his mm-hmm. bishop right. um he's uh, it can really open yourself up to uh, i mean maybe it opens them up to the demonic this Mm -hmm. obsession um yeah and and just another note he was one of the speakers for that hope is fuel uh conference that was that was sponsored by um patrick coffin and his name's been stripped from the website tim gordon has taken down his podcast um but we have the screenshots that he was on the final roster of speakers for gotcha. the Hopus Field Conference. So it's likely he took part in that. Um,
0: so, so what's his current status then with, with the archdiocese? So
1: the archdiocese has suspended him from ministry. Um, some news articles say he's been defrocked, which I don't think is defrocked if it means sized. laicized uh, that's a process that takes time, but he is suspended. Okay. He's not allowed to present himself as a priest. I think in terms of, actual priestly ministry within the uh institutional church that phases over uh the police are investigating they're looking into other accounts of grooming um they're talking to other potential victims of his grooming to see if they can you know find a a a legal mechanism for having him extradited back to the united states for the time being the young woman is still with him she still wants to be with him so it's uh, one imagines what this family is going through what a mess
0: Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Well, this is, this is tragic. Mm -hmm. Lastly, let's do a brief wrap up of some of the latest and greatest. um, (laughs) There's just been too many news topics and things that you've been talking about the last couple of weeks. So uh, let's see world youth day. And then uh, let's talk about the death penalty. Uh, Yeah. So,
1: you know, unfortunately our, uh, my trip to Missouri and our uh, you know, the episode, the episodes that we missed took place during the the ramp up and the wind down of World Youth Day. Mm-hmm. Um, if on this channel, uh, whether you're listening to uh, listening to the audio or you are watching us on YouTube, um, the most recent video prior to this one was uh, an hour uh, sit down that I did with uh, Pedro Gabriel and uh, Claire Dominguez, his wife. They actually went to World Youth Day. Um, pedro is from portugal he's from uh porto originally where port wine comes from and uh so they went hop skip, and a jump over to lisbon and it was it, i mean it was kind of cool because they got cre- press credentials
0: through oh, where cool. peter is
1: so they were allowed to go to the press briefings they were allowed to uh take photographs of the pope when you know he would go for his he would oh, come up pretty close they didn't interact with him directly Mm -hmm. but um they took part in some of the catechesis they talked to people regarding the various um controversies that popped up obviously whenever a big event comes along the critics of pope francis try to trump up something something big to change the direction of the story at first it was the attendance Because the original number of registrants was very low. It was like 340,000, but they were, and they were looking at the final numbers of the biggest World Youth Days. Well, the final mass of this World Youth Day was over one and a half million, which, I mean, given that it's a small country, I mean, there've been some that have been 5 million or 3 million, but 1.5 is a pretty, is a pretty solid number for Lisbon. Mm -hmm. and. You know, Pedro points out that one-tenth of the people in the country of Portugal that day were at the World Youth Day, closing mass. Um, Other things about uh, the, you know, reverence towards the Blessed Sacrament um, were covered. There was some, I don't know if Pedro definitely discussed on Twitter and other places. um, On Sunday morning, the wake up call came in the form of a priest who happens to be a DJ. To raise money for his parish but he basically did a DJ set that was a mix of like electronic dance music and uh sacred music and quotes from Pope Francis um at about 7:30 in the morning because a lot of the pilgrims were sleeping in tents or on the in the open okay. on the field before the mass so that was but obviously people found that very inappropriate. But anyway, uh, check out our links, check out, we'll give a link to the previous podcast. We'll, we'll provide a link to um, the article that summarizes the wrap up of the coverage and uh, and definitely dive into that. Um, the other issue um, or another issue is the is the death penalty. Um, so theologian, uh, Robert Fastigi, who is a uh, seminary professor at Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit has, been working for a very long time on, I think since 2018, the matter of the church's teaching on the death penalty. And obviously, if you look at the Catechism of the Council of Trent, and then you look at the first edition of the Catechism of the Catholic Church that came out in 1991 or 1992, and then you look at 1997, and then you look at 2018, um, there's been a shift, there's been a change. In the teaching of um, on in the church's teaching on the death penalty, and one of the issues that is being challenged is um, whether or not we are bound to grant assent to it. What is the magisterial weight of this document? Um, and so he explores the various arguments. Uh, essentially, all of the critics just don't want this teaching to count. They don't want it to effectively say that Catholics cannot support the death penalty, but when you say that the death penalty is inadmissible and Catholics worldwide work for its abolition, um, I don't know how they can bend around it, but they'll say it's just his personal opinion, they'll say that it's a prudential opinion and we can choose otherwise, they use excuses for for having a different opinion, Um, and I think this is a, he gave me a Twenty-five page article, um, and said he had been working on it since then, and wow. would I be interested in publishing it? And I said, well, would you be willing to break it up into parts? <laughs> <He says>. And <laughs> and he said yes. So we broke it up into four parts, and it just finished yesterday. So
0: yeah.
1: um, we'll provide the link to that. That's very thorough. At, and at the same time, on my Substack, and I may post it on where Peter is as well. I take a deeper look at the nineteen ninety seven teaching. Which um, essentially says that the only reason to use the death penalty um, that's justifiable would be if there's absolutely no other option. Um, and it's so I dig into that. Well, what are what are these? Given the given the principles behind the legitimate use of the death penalty, and given what the church teaches about the legitimate use of lethal force. How do we square the death penalty with this? So um, I will provide a link to my substack. Uh, It's basically, can the death penalty be used as legitimate defense, I think is the title. Uh, It's something like that. Um, And then the final thing about where Peter is, keep your eye out um, for the the article on Nicaragua. It'll go into the show notes. And Mm -hmm. this Sunday, I will be doing a Twitter Spaces um at 6 30 eastern i believe five or six th- five thirty 30 or 6 30 eastern um okay. and if you follow me on twitter it will be my pinned post if you're listening to this um and then it'll the twitter be twitter
0: space is like it's a live audio room yeah it's, it's a live, live room.
1: audio room it's not recorded um it's a discussion um hosted by the author of the piece and we cool. um and we're just going to discuss how to get the word out about nicaragua because it's a it's a very very uh, harrowing situation and obviously the the Holy See is in a they don't want to just like with China they can't just come out although they have condemned and they have expressed concerns for the arrest and for for the yeah. injustices and I know that the the uh, father general of the of the Jesuits spoke out about the universities today or about the university today, um, but this is something just just for Catholics to be informed. Uh, I might be asking more questions than giving answers, but uh, the uh, the author asked me to be the you know the guest for this for this episode. So I am doing my best to become informed, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to provide resources that our readers can go to to learn about this ongoing, increasingly urgent and distressing situation.
0: Thank you. Well, Mike, thanks for the debrief this week. And again, available links to all of these things are in the description. Uh, This conversation is brought to you by smartcatholics.com. It's the free online community for millennials, creators, and learners. Join the private Where Peter Is group to ask questions, share insights, and suggest topics for next time.
1: Yes, and visit wherepeteris.com to read articles, commentaries, and reflections by and for faithful Catholics who support the mission and vision of Pope Francis.
0: Please hit the like button and then do subscribe to uh, the Where Peter Is channel so that you never miss an episode of The Debrief.
1: And if you can spare a few bucks, uh, support Where Peter Is on Patreon to help us continue bringing you this show and other edifying content.
0: Thanks for joining us, friends. When it comes to news and controversies in the Catholic Church, stay curious, informed, and engaged. God bless you. Goodbye.